What's good podcast, it's Houston, and I'm here to bring you another episode in our series of how to overcome super story objections here on the Super Story Podcast. I've heard almost every possible objection to the multi-platform super story format that you could ever, ever, ever come up with. I feel like I've heard them all. Uh, And just because you hear them doesn't mean you have to accept them. You have to learn how to overcome those objections. How do you respond to people when they push back? There's so many people that are excited about the Superstory model. So many people are excited and empowered by a multi-platform approach to entertainment. But there are a lot of people, a lot of stakeholders, a lot of middle managers, uh, a lot of uh, folks that are entrenched in that traditional entertainment model that they hesitate and they have legitimate questions that you have to be empathetic uh, when approaching, but at the same time, there are ways to overcome these objections. And this is the next one in the series. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. So the first episode of this particular series was back in episode 24 of the Superstory podcast where we went over the objection, but this story, this particular story is special because is that it doesn't need transmedia. It doesn't need to be a superstory. Uh, we dealt with that in episode 24. Then I came back in episode 25 and talked about the objection of let's do it in success. I get I like transmedia, it's good, but you know, let's hold off and do it once we see something is successful first. We dealt with that in number 25. Now I want to deal with one that I think is a little bit more personal with people, um, but it's something that I hear a lot when I try to encourage people to embrace a multi-platform superstory model. And they say, yeah, Houston, I get the value of it. I get the wisdom of it. I get the the value propositions of broader demographic reach, of better engaging audiences, of the I get the wisdom of pre-awareness, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, it's just not me. It's it's not, it doesn't fit me. And I want to just be a screenwriter. I want to just be a poet or a painter. And I just want to be a music producer. I just want to do my business this one way. Uh, it's just it's just not me. And like they're you know like they're trying on a, a a coat or they're trying on a shirt at a retail shop, and they're like, yeah, it's cool and all, but it's just not me. It doesn't fit my style. I hear this a lot, and I try to be empathetic when I hear it because I know there's insecurity that comes along with being pushed out of the one thing that you're good at. And there's some, there's fear whenever you're pushed out of the thing that you have developed an expertise in. But I, I always encourage people to, even though you have a hesitancy, uh, even though you don't feel like it really fits you to really push out in that way in that 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 broader vision uh, as a creative and as a business person. I always try to get people to adopt that mindset of an entrepreneur because here's here's the here's the fact of the matter is whether it fits you or not, the market is going to decide whether you need it or not. And we've talked before about you know the dangers of a commoditized market for the first time in history, the entertainment 
industry has been commoditized. It has hyper competition. It's completely saturated with content. We're, we're seeing competition like we've never seen before. There's been a devaluing financially of entertainment. There's been a devaluing, devaluing emotionally of entertainment. We take things for granted. Uh, the fan bases are different now. It's just a different market. And, and we've talked about how the change in the market has now forced companies to now diversify their models. They've forced producers and writers and creators to diversify their model in a way that better competes in this commoditized market. And so uh, when, when, when people say, well, you know, it's like, it's like I try on this dress and it's, you know, it's just not me. I don't think it's the same. I don't think it's the same analogy. I think that's a that's not an analogous situation. It used to be maybe 20 years ago when uh, looking at a multi-platform model was was looked at as more of a luxury or more of a quirky, uh, you know, directional choice. It was only for the people that, that naturally thought that way and sort of had a natural in inclination to multi-platform content. But uh, but now I think the 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 analogy is more like uh, the the the, uh, the cruise ship that you're on is sinking. And you, someone hands you a life vest and you put on that life vest and say, oh, you know what? I don't really like the way I look in this. Uh, this life vest really isn't for me. So I don't think I'm going to take it. That is more analogous than the former, uh, the, the, the former analogy, right? I think that, that, that this is more like what's going on in the market, that, that whether you like it or not, whether it fits you or not, the market will decide whether you need something or not. It isn't just a sort of a random decision that you make. And so, uh, so I always encourage people to adopt that, that mindset of an entrepreneur. Because if you go and talk with an entrepreneur, if you go and sit with an entrepreneur and study what they do, uh, they, they don't just do one thing, and this is this is super interesting. I encourage all you writers, all you creatives, you you uh, screenwriters, novelists, directors, uh, you know who, whoever you are. Uh, if you're purely in an entertainment mindset, what I encourage you to do is go find somebody that opened a pizza shop. Go find somebody that opened a retail store. Go find somebody that opened a coffee shop. Uh, that 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 decided to do something online and started a uh, an independent Shopify store where they sell their own cupcakes. Talk to them, interview them. Uh, it may not be completely unrelated to anything that you do, but research what they do and how they started their business and the approach that they, that they took. Because the more entrepreneurs I talk to, the more I realize just how much they're forced out of their comfort zone. They are forced to learn new things. They're forced to uh, figure out things they never thought they would have to figure out before. You know, you, like when you want to start a restaurant and you, and you know how to cook and you want to start your own restaurant, it's not like you can just go and say, you know what, the only thing I'm going to worry about are the recipes and just the food. And I'm just going to focus on that. And you don't do anything else. If you do that, then you, your restaurant will never open. Uh, or even if it opens, it's not going to survive. You, you're, entrepreneurs, people that, that, you know, that want to open their own restaurants, they're forced to learn how to manage the front of house. They're forced to learn processes that they never thought they would have to uh, learn before. They have to figure out accounting and and you know different things like that. And and that they have to understand how you know unemployment insurance works and payroll taxes. And they have to understand leadership. And and they're adopting and and adapting into that situation by learning new skills. And it's just part and parcel of being an entrepreneur. You can't just start a coffee shop 
as a barista and say, the only thing I'm going to worry about is just how to make good coffee. I'm not going to worry about anything else. If you do, you'll never really get started and you're never really going to be successful. Entrepreneurs are forced out of that comfort zone. And so I want more creatives to take on that mindset. And the good thing about it is, is 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it was very difficult to learn those new skills. But today, with you know, with YouTube, with the internet, with uh, LinkedIn Learning, with the with MasterClass, and all these things that we have access to, and all the books on Amazon, and and it, there, there, the, all the podcasts that are out there, that you, we can get. Uh, the knowledge, and we can get the training that that no person ever before in human history ever had access to. It's really this incredible thing. Everything is figure outable, right? Um, but but it requires this different mindset that you have to have of like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to uh, force myself uh, to learn some new skills. Uh, but a lot of people say, you know, I'm just not that creative. I know how to write. I know how to, you know, but but uh, you know, but you know, learning all the di- how all the different platforms work together, and it's just not my skill set. Um, I think creativity is defined differently uh, than most people. I think uh, some people feel, don't feel like they're a writer or, or, or you know, they're not a pure creative, and so they're hesitant about cre- uh, having a creative project. You know, being creative is interesting. I think you know, if you are a writer, uh, the height of creativity is not just writing a script, is not just uh, you know uh, uh, writing a short story or writing a novel. Uh, uh, being creative isn't just uh, directing a movie or directing a play. Uh, being creative is ha- is also having a vision for the future. You see what could be, you see what should be, and then you create that reality. And as a creator in today's market, in uh, you know a COVID market or a post-COVID market, uh, you have to have some sort of vision for the future in order to navigate this crazy commoditized market we're trying to survive in. And, and so if you are already a creative, uh, don't just limit your creativity just to words on a page. Don't just limit limit your creativity just to the rhyme scheme in your song or how you produce the beat in your music. Also, uh, cr- have that macro creativity of of how to scale this thing for the future and be able to operate effectively in the present. Right. But I think ultimately, imposter syndrome really defeats people. When it comes to adopting a superstore model, the people just don't have—they don't have faith in their own skill set. And imposter syndrome is a real thing. I mean, you know, Wikipedia uh, uh, defines imposter uh, syndrome. First of all, it defines it says imposter syndrome is not to be confused with capgrass delusion, which is the belief that uh, a loved one has been replaced by uh, replaced by an imposter. That's not what we're talking about. If you've never heard of imposter syndrome, it's simply. Uh, uh, when we doubt our own skill set, you know, Wikipedia defines it as a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments, and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. It's just a lack of confidence in your own ability, and I think that defeats people for having a larger vision of the of the future. You may know, you you may be confident in one aspect of of your creativity, but all of a sudden, when you when when you say, "Wait a minute, I have to learn how to use some technology," 
or I have to learn a new skill that I've that you know that that I've never thought I would have to learn. I got to learn you know more about social media. You, are you telling me I have to learn how to use TikTok? You know, I mean, I had a had a you know. 58-year-old screenwriter tell me the other day, you expect me to learn how to use TikTok, right? And it and it's and it's it comes across as just crass, but I think ultimately what what is there is this lack of confidence and this fear of of being exposed as as somebody who's not good at something. And you know, you can imposter syndrome is dangerous and imposter syndrome can uh, can can keep you from so many opportunities in your pro- professional life and your personal life, and I really encourage everybody to understand. And there's different ways to you know there's different ways to uh, uh, you know uh, combat imposter syndrome. A lot of people say, well, make sure you always hang up your awards. Uh, make sure you know you you can go back and reference some of the achievements that you've you've had before. But you know, I like I like to to combat imposter syndrome by simply accepting the fact that we're all imposters. We're all imposters. None of us are as good as we think, or none of us are perfect. None, like none of us are, are are as good as other people think we are. Uh, it, it's you know we're we're not as smart as our mom thinks we are. Uh, we're not as good uh, or as talented as our wife or husband think we are. We're to some to some level we're all imposters. Right, we all we always push forward our best work and try to hide our our, our back our, our bad work or our, our subpar work, and it's just the way it is. I mean, it's just how people operate, and and uh, you know, no one's perfect. No, it, it, you know, it, we're all imposters. Quentin Tarantino, to some level, is an imposter. Uh, uh, Martin Scorsese, to some level, is an imposter. Uh, just as much somebody as somebody you know sitting in their 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 bedroom in Los Angeles, uh, you know. Uh, uh, questioning themselves, uh, writing their own screenplay. None of us are as good as as, as what other people think we are. And uh, we just need to accept that, right? Like none of us are going to be perfect and we need to embrace it. You know, if, if, think about this, if you come upon a swimming pool or a lake and uh, someone's drowning and they need help, uh, would would you jump in to save them or would you say, you know what? I, I'm not a certified swimmer. I haven't gone to the best swimming school. I haven't won some fancy, uh, fancy pants swimming competition online. Uh, I haven't, you know, I, 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 you know, I just, I just don't think my mom is my, my, my brother says that I'm not a good swimmer. Uh, I don't have enough hours, uh, swimming. Uh, I don't think I can do this. Would you do, would you, would you not save that person because of those things? Of course not. Of course you would jump in and try to save that person. Hopefully, right? Despite the fact that you're not the best, despite the fact that you're not completely trained, despite the fact that, you know, you, you, you doubt yourself in this, in this very real way, you would still save that person. And when it comes to uh, combating imposter syndrome, I think you have to realize that it's not because of, it's not about you. It's not about you. And you jump in the water to save that person because it's not about you, it's about them. And in the same way, your creative work, your brand, 
uh, should not just be about you. It should be about other people. Uh, The world needs your voice. The world needs your perspective. The world needs your life experience and the words you put to the page or the pictures you put to film or the the paint you put on canvas. The world needs that. Actually, I may say it a different way that I think is maybe more powerful. Someone needs your voice. Someone needs your talent. Someone needs to hear the story that you that that you're supposed to tell. Someone needs to hear that uh, truth that you put behind the lie of your fiction. You know, I I have a good friend of mine, uh, Steve Mitchell. He's the creator of a, of a of a TV show called The Pretender, and um, you know, he has this powerful story that that of how he created the pretender and how he looked upon his, his personal life and how he grew up in a dysfunctional family and his relationship with his mom. And, and it, you know, he, he dealt with issues that were near and dear to him and he poured them into, uh, uh, this, this, this pilot of the pretender and, uh, the pretender is all about, uh, you know, somebody who is super smart savant type of, uh, kid who, uh, can basically, um, be, be anybody he wants to be. He can become a pilot or a surgeon, or it's almost like a catch me if you can, but not in a con artist way, just sort of like in a super soldier, you know, mission impossible way. And, uh, it's really, you know, cool show, uh, ran back in late nineties or two thousands. And, um, but you know, it was, it, it was connected to him because he, as a kid, uh, he wanted to believe that, um, he could be anybody he wanted to be, uh, that, that, uh, despite sort of his tragic past, he could reinvent himself over and over. And, uh, you know, he poured that into his entertainment. We talked about the value of soapbox before and the power and the, the power of soapbox, uh, and how it connects to people. And what was, what was interesting is, uh, he always tells the story of, of receiving this fan letter at one point and, and this letter, uh, you know, tells the story of this woman, and, and she says that you know she was she was getting ready to kill herself, and uh, she was writing her uh, her suicide letter, and um, as she was writing her suicide letter, she came upon an episode of The Pretender, and she saw how Jared, the main character of The Pretender, was able to uh, to uh, reinvent himself despite sort of the tragedy of his past, and and you know uh, she put the pen down and she finished the episode and ultimately, uh, you know, didn't go through with it, thank God. And, uh, and then she sent him, um, you know, she says she still has the pen, she still has the letter. And then she sent him a uh, picture of her and her three kids. And it was just this really powerful moment. I heard Neil Gaiman uh, talking about uh, how he wrote Coraline and, uh, and how he poured his personal experience um, of, of overcoming fear. Uh, and overcoming um, uh, terror in order to still, you know, push through it and still do something good. And, you know, he, he says at the beginning of Coraline, um, he says the, the, the brilliance and the value of fairy tales is not showing us that dragons exist, but that dragons can be defeated. And Coraline's all about Coraline having to face scary things, and uh, but but despite the fact that they're scary, she does them anyway, and that's the height of bravery. Uh, be, you know, when uh, bravery isn't the lack of fear; it's it's understanding you're afraid and pushing through it. And he and he, and he poured a life experience into that, and and uh, but he, you know he he tells the story of how many 
uh, you know, teenage girls, uh, early 20s girls, sometimes early 30s uh, people, they, they come up to this with a worn copy of Coraline and, and thank him that Coraline got him through the toughest parts of their life when they were being abused or when when they were in a tough relationship or when you know they had an alcoholic parent uh they 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 saw that if Coraline was brave in that situation they were brave they they gave them the moral courage to be brave and the and the inspiration to do so 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 someone needs your story someone needs your voice someone needs your talent someone needs to hear uh, the brand that you're trying to put forward. And and it's not about you. And for you to sort of uh, short circuit that because you're, th- you're because of self-doubt saying, well, you know what, I'm not good. I can learn a little bit more. I could I could write a little bit more. I could hone my skills a little bit better. And I and I and listen, I'm all about improving skill sets and and excellence and, and execution. Uh, but at, the, at, at some point, you have to jump in the pool to save somebody else. At some point, you need to deliver creative work to the world so that the world can hear your voice, so that that person, whoever it is, that person that, that's on the other end of that entertainment can now uh, engage with it in a valuable way. And uh, understanding that it's not about you, I think, helps defeat that imposter syndrome, right? And then when you understand that it's not about you, it makes sense to use a creative transmedia super story model because the fact of the matter is if you just take your story and you just put it in a book or you just take your story and you just put it in a movie there are people that don't read books and there are people that don't watch movies what about the kid that plays video games for 13 hours a day what about the the people that all they do is play tabletop rpgs what about the people that all you know that that you know go to the broadway uh shows more you know and and they don't really watch a lot of tv what about the people that just watch tv and don't really listen to music what about people that don't watch TV or go to the movies, play games, but all they do is listen to music, right? If you just pick a single channel, guess what? There's a lot of people out there that aren't going to be hearing your voice, getting your perspective, hearing that thing that's close to your heart that could impact them in a valuable way. You're you're, you're putting a, a, a basket over uh, your the the candle that you're trying to uh um or at least maybe not a basket you're just putting blinders on it it's like you know you're you're putting uh you know in, in film lighting a world you're you're taking those barn doors and just really kind of tightly constricting uh how the light then it then travels um but really we need to take those barn doors off the lights so that more people can engage right but but you need to understand that you know you don't you shouldn't doubt yourself and, and just because it's going to take you learning something new to to exist in a in a um, uh, multi-platform model. Just because it, it, you're going to have to you know take the 17 to 22 to 48 hours in order to you know figure out how to how to do TikTok or figure out maybe how to code uh, or do an app or maybe you need to do a LinkedIn learning course of how to uh, better build a community of online fans, things like that. Like don't, you know you're going to have to do that. Uh, but you, you you know don't let your lack of confidence keep you from that right just figure it out understanding it's not going to be perfect understanding that you need to experiment with stuff people are afraid of experimentation 
especially creatives. It, it, you know, it's, it's, it's such a crazy thing because we live under the judgment of other people. We live in the judgment, under the judgment of ourselves and other people, our moms, uh, our dads, whoever it is, you know, culture, society, social media, uh, and people are afraid to experiment. And, uh, and, and that is such a tragedy, right? Uh, because the more you experiment and the more you screw up, that's, that's how you learn. You, know, you need to find a story that needs to be told. You need to figure out as many ways possible to tell that story that it can get to as many people as possible. And you just need to try to tell it and do it poorly. And it's okay to do something poorly. Again, I am like a 100% advocate of ex- excellence. Um, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying be reckless or you don't care. You don't have any standards, but try your hardest to make it as good as you can, but don't be afraid of doing it poorly of, of, of the first, you know, hundred TikTok videos you put up are, are probably going to suck. The first screenplay that you write is probably not going to be great. The first draft of your novel, uh, is not going to be the thing that you, you publish. Of course it's not. You just have to be willing to do it poorly. And so, uh, so I, you know, use, there's an interesting experiment. Uh, it's the thing, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called the marshmallow, the marshmallow test or something where, uh, you know, they've done these experiments where they, they give you, um, you know, they give you a, a, a bunch of spaghetti noodles and they give you spaghetti noodles, they give you tape and they give you a, um, uh, a marshmallow and they'll put you together in a team and they'll say, okay, uh, I want you to build the tallest structure of spaghetti noodles and at the very top uh, of this using only spaghetti noodles and tape and at the very top you need to put your marshmallow and we'll see how tall you can make it and so they they took all these uh, uh, fortune 500 CEOs and and they they put them in teams and they they had this uh, marshmallow test and uh, you know the CEOs looked at it and they were they were they were you know sketching down notes and they would talk and they would strategize and they would try to figure out you know how to do this and ultimately they would erect something and and you know I think you know they averaged about you know seven inches uh, at, to the top of the marshmallow right so um, what was super interesting is they uh, they uh, the same uh, group would bring like seven-year-olds, 10-year-olds, bring a bunch of kids in and have them do the same test. And the average height of their spaghetti noodle tower with a marshmallow on top, 19 inches. And here's the big difference when you watch it back. Uh, the, the CEOs uh, would sit back and they would they would plan, they would strategize, they would maybe sketch on a little piece of paper, they would count their resources, and because they only had a certain amount of time to do it. Say, I think 15 minutes or so, they would have a time, you know, a time, table and they would take about 12 minutes to figure out the best plan to make the spaghetti noodle tower and then they would they would execute right but what was super interesting about kids is as soon as you get kids in front of those spaghetti noodles uh, they just they grab them and they start doing stuff with them they're not afraid to break them they're not afraid to try different things and immediately they take the entire 15 minutes and they try five or six or seven different iterations and are able to put those things up to uh, potentially 19 inches look this up in internet there's really interesting uh, literature about this experiment uh, you know this this particular marshmallow challenge um and it's, it's pretty cool but it shows you the mindset that for some reason as we get older we're afraid to experiment uh we're afraid to try something and, and, and it not work um and it's you know uh understanding how to de- 
deploy things into the market and, and you know and and be, being able and comfortable with small failures so that you don't have big failures uh, that that's just such a valuable trait so I encourage you all uh, you know if you're if you're if you are um, scared or not confident in your ability to learn um, you know uh, a digital platform or learn anything about comic books or learn anything about how to write your first novel anything like that if you're, you know just just try it get out there and experiment with it you know I have a buddy he um, you know he went and pitched a uh, pitched a movie to uh, Paramount Pictures um, and they said you know what this this is cool it's not branded uh, it's kind of crazy so what we want you to do is we want you to turn it into a comic book. And uh, when you turn it into a comic book, we want you to sell 10,000 copies and then come back to us after you do that. And um, he walked out kind of bummed out because guess what? He's a screenwriter. He's not a comic book creator. And um, so what did he do? Did he just go sulk? Did he just go uh, jump to a different project? No, he went and he went to G-O-O-G-L-E.com and typed in, how do I make a comic book? And he took the seven to 12 to 72 hours that it, that it took to figure out the workflow and the production model and sort of the artistic model of comic books. He bought a few comic books, started reading them and is understanding the, 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 the platform and the medium. He went to YouTube and started listening to interviewers, uh, the interviews of, of comic book creators, reading interviews, watching interviews interviews. And then he started finding where, um, where artists uh, hung out on the internet. He found where the communities of artists were. He started engaging in that community. And then he found an artist in Estonia that was willing to to jump in with him and, and do some spec work uh, together. And he just figured it out. And he was able to kind of scratch together uh, enough to have one digital uh, issue of his comic book. And that sold well enough that he was able to do a second one. And then they took the second one and they got picked up by a publisher for the third one. And then the publisher did a fourth one. And now he's getting ready to do a fifth one. Uh, and they put it all together in a trade paperback and do that, you know, in comic book shops. And, and you know, it, it's awesome because he just figured it out. It was super cool. And, and everything is figureoutable. In a it went when knowledge is commoditized and readily available, and and so don't be afraid to have to be pushing push yourselves into that skill set. So when I say when I say operate in a super story model, you say it's not for me. Here's what I always say: I always say you have to be good at something other than your one thing. I just don't believe. I just honestly do not believe you if you say I'm only good at one thing. I've never met a human that is only good at one thing. You, you, you're, you're a screenwriter, but I guarantee that you could probably write a short story or uh, write a poem or uh, launch a website or you know something. I'm sure you're good at something else. And so what I always say is just pick three of those things. Pick three things that you know you're good at, that you know that you maybe you're, uh, you're a, a screenwriter, you know how to take photographs, and on the side, uh, you know, you have a pretty good voice for a podcast or a video, pretty good, you know, radio voice, right? Or maybe you're a film director, uh, but you also know how to do, launch a website and you know, also know how to invent board games or whatever it is. There's probably some skill sets there. Pick three of them and just experiment with taking a story and, that, and extending them into those other two mediums. Right, just try it. Because the fact of the matter is, it, it astounds me, guys. It astounds me 
how many people will sit there and say, oh, well, you know what? I don't know. Like, I don't see how it would translate in the board game. I just don't know about this. And and they question the multi-platform model and I, without even trying it. And I sit there and say, just try it. You're not going to know until you try it. You're not going to know whether the podcast is going to be too difficult until you try it. Like we learn through experience. You can sit there as a kid and, and you're sitting there and you can think about riding a bike and you can kind of read a book about riding a bike and you can see listen to interviews with people who have ridden bikes before, right? And you can sit there and say, I don't know. I, I just don't see how you're going to be able to hold yourself upright on a bike as it's going down the road on two wheels. I just don't see how that's going to work. But guess what? The only way you learn how to ride a bike is actually by trying to ride that bike. And the first few times you're going to ride the bike, of course you're going to fall over. My six-year-old is is very much in this in this mode. She 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 doesn't like to fail. She's has a perfectionist instinct in her, and she doesn't like that process of falling down and getting back up. She just doesn't. She's very averse to it. She just wants to automatically be perfect the first time she does it and that's normal for kids sometimes right but but so many adults carry that into adulthood and and keep opportunities away from them professionally because they just they they stick to it right i didn't i didn't know how to kiss a girl until i started kissing girls right like you you figure these things out as you go right you just you do figure them out through experimentation so I encourage you, pick three things that you're good at and just do it. I, I, I've told this story before, but I talked to a filmmaker uh, out of New York City, and, and I said, what are the three things you're good at? She said, I can make movies, I'm a hobby painter, and um, I also write poetry. And I said, great, for the rest of your life, every movie you make, you need to have a pop-up art exhibit where the paintings extend the story of your movie. You need to have uh, a book of poetry that extends the story of your movie and is also connected to your paintings every single time. A self-published a book of poetry. Maybe that's a, just a digital thing. You just put poetry on your Instagram page that extends the story. But the fact of the matter is there's some people that are going to find the poetry before they find the movie or the painting. And through that poetry, that's going to be a gateway into your brand. That's going to lead them back to the to, to the uh, to the movie and the painting. Or people are going to find the painting first, and then they're going to go to the movie or the poetry. Or maybe people find the movie first, and then th that experience is extended to them through the painting and the uh, and the poetry. Either way, it's multi-platform. It's the exact same thing that Marvel does, except on a smaller scale, and it it doesn't go outside your skill set. So my, my I say step one. Pick three things that you're good at. Step two, learn three things that you don't know. Just figure it out. You just go to LinkedIn Learning. Go to go to uh, you know Lynda.com. Go to you know take a master class and and you know whatever that is. Always be learning something new. Get, if, listen, if 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 we could if we lived to we're three hundred uh, uh, and and had that much time, I would never stop learning. Uh, I would, I would learn, I would learn how to speak a hundred languages. I would read every book possible. I'm just a nerd about learning. I get it. I love learning new stuff. I love like learning, not just about, you know, the, the, the circle of things that I'm good at and I want to improve in expertise. I just love learning like weird, random things. Like I would like to go take a welding class or, you know, go take a painting class or, you know, just learning new stuff. I'm always fascinated and I love seeing people that have expertise that aren't mine. And I try to 
figure out sort of how I can be good at it, right? And and that doesn't all, I'm not always good at it, especially right away, but I just love that process of learning. But if you were always executing in three things that are your strength, but also learning new three thing, uh, three new things, and experimenting how to use all these things together, and then and then and then as you're leaning into the three things that are your strength, extend that story into three things that you're unsure about and are learning, and experiment. Lose small, right? Lose small, so that the, if it sucks, the 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 cost is pretty low. Right? Don't just try to like you know you don't want to lose big obviously, but experiment small uh, so that you know if something doesn't work you're gonna figure it out. So if a TikTok video sucks, that's not that big of a deal. If your movie sucks, that's a big deal because you lost a lot of money, right? And so uh, so pick three things that you're great at, lean into them immediately, but at the same time always be learning three new things. And uh, and when you do that and you're not afraid to fail, and you're experimenting, you're going to come away a lot more confident. So that then when you say, what about this? What about a super story model? What about a multi-platform model? You're not going to have that imposter syndrome. You're not going to say, ah, oh, this is not for me. Like you're, you're always expanding the bounds of your own personal expertise, your own personal skill set. You know, uh, the uh, Thomas Jefferson says, uh, a lot of people attribute Thomas Jefferson for for the whole um, jack of all trades, uh, master of none quote. And that's, that's a misquote. It's just, he didn't say that. He said that we, we need to be a jack of all trades and a master of one or some, or a master of some. Right, we do need to have mastery over certain things, but it's not bad to be a jack of all trades in uh, in some other ways, right? And so embrace that, learn new things, expand your realm and your circle of skills, and don't be afraid to fail, don't be afraid to experiment, and ultimately understand it's not about you. People need this story that's inside of your heart. The world needs it, and and you need to try to get it to them in as many uh, ways possible. So when you say multi-platform is not for me, my encouragement is don't be selfish. It's not just about you. It's about them, and we need to have that mindset and understand Superstory then is for everybody. We just have to have that confidence to learn how to do it and to learn to ha- how to use all the tools that we have available to us today. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review.